Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Attack in the Championship podcast. My name is Tom Butterfield. I'm your host. And let me welcome our resident guest. He's a certified data analyst. He's a scout and an FA licensed coach and intermediary, David Bromley. How are you, sir? I'm very well, Tom. Thanks. Thanks very much. And you? Yeah, doing well. Thanks, mate. Yeah, doing well. Just living the dream, David. Living the dream. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I've already I've already moaned about you know the, my week because my week yeah we've had a little bit, chat we've we've vented yeah. and we've had a we have a we have it's been one of those weeks <laughs> for me really. Well, hopefully, perhaps you know I've got a few things behind me and in one go and then things will sort of that's take it. A, that's what we're hoping right? for the things, things come in threes. They just happen to have come in twenty threes. They do, week, yeah. So. They do actually. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully that's um, things will turn around now from from now on. Good stuff. And we're getting towards the end of the window now, aren't we? So we're we're deciding that we're going to hold off on any more transfer talk as such today, aren't we? And we're going to save that until next week when we, you're going to do a, a nice big, I'm putting the pressure on you now, David, you're going to do a nice big complete roundup of all the transfer business that's been done through the championship or certainly the most interesting stuff that's gone in the championship. Um, and today we're going to have just a bit of a general chit chat, aren't we? Um, yeah, that's the we, plan, really. We yeah. went into a um, a Facebook group. It's actually called uh, the Championship Fans Group on Facebook. It's got a lot of members in there, really well engaged. Lots of lots of people in there. So a big hello to them. They've been very welcoming to me in, into the group. And um, there were some really good questions asked by some of the uh, guys and girls in the group. So we thought we'd sort of jump into some of those today, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. So where would you like us to start, sir? Well, you sent me a few and they were all good mm. questions, as you say. Um, the, the question, I suppose the main question that I sort of thought was was interesting was which championship team is capable of going up and staying there for more than one season? Yeah, I like I that think, one as well. I think, that, I think the actual question was other than Leicester. Ah right, but, okay. But I think, but I thought, well, let's start off just by sort of trying to address, you know, let's just include all the championship teams and and have a look through and see if we can dig into that a little bit and give and and come up with something somewhat objective, you know, rather than just our opinion on it. I think that's the thing, um, isn't it? That that key word objective there, because we'll always hope that our team could stay up. And we'd tend to go with obviously, you know, Leicester atop and they're quite a way clear. So you'd expect them to do well. But of course, this year in the Premier League, it's not Burnley that are dominating out of the teams that have gone up. Uh, so no, it's not necessarily right. a sign of good things to come, is it? So, no, it uh, isn't. It, it, so yeah, I think we, that... we're sort of looking at a more objective. You've gone deeper, haven't you? And looked into quite a lot of the key things that we pointed out in our very, very early episodes mm. of the things that tend to move towards success for teams. Yes. Well, I've tried to, as you say, it's not always, well, it's very difficult to predict it because you would have thought looking at last season, as you say, Burnley really, you could say they strolled it, the mm. championship. Oh, yeah. And they looked, well, I suppose on the face of it, they looked like, well, this team is, capable of with a couple of additions and you know they'll they'll be premier league ready but that's not worked out a lot of the time not just for burnley but no it was interesting actually because last last year when we were sort of looking at uh some of the stats and and things we noticed that burnley's goal scored was way above 
their expected goals, wasn't it? Like obscenely. Yeah, I think you're more, right. More, yeah. more above than yeah. we would have expected. So yeah. we sort of looked at that and it was like, well, are they have they just got fantastic finishers or have goalkeepers made errors, you know, mm. to for, for goals? Um, or have they just been a bit fortunate? You know, everything that's has come been off streaky. Their foot, yeah, blown in. Sometimes and it's not necessarily it can be. a sign of things to come. Yeah. Well, that's true. That that can happen. Mm. Um, but I think there's certain challenges. What what I thought we'd do if we started off because another interesting question was obviously who do we think is going to make the playoffs, and by mm. implication there, who do we think is most likely perhaps to to be promoted. So if we yeah. started trying to dig into this question of who do we think is capable of going up and staying up. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, let's take the top half of the division as it stands now mm-hmm. and look down. looking down it, we've got Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, Ipswich, West Brom, Coventry, Hull, Norwich, Watford, Sunderland, Middlesbrough and Preston in that order. They're top 12. And I actually thought if I was looking at that and trying to write a book, <laughs> you know, a bookmaker's book, yeah. I think I'd probably – not only are they in – in the top 12 positions. I think that probably describes the form teams as well. Yeah. In order, funnily enough, because, you know, there's this sort of who's going to finish fifth and sixth because everybody's saying, well, we think we know the top four are going to be the three that came down in Ipswich, but there's a couple of places up for grabs. But West Brom have sort of, you know, they've solidified their position, Mm -hmm. albeit they've struggled away from home. Coventry have really been on a roll, haven't they? So they're yes. in sixth. Yep. But then behind them, Hull, I think they did some good business yeah. in the window so far. Sure Norwich, have. you know, they're, they're strong on their day. Watford, mm-hmm. you can't predict. Sunderland have slipped a bit. And Middlesbrough have been a bit sort of, you think they're, they've are they got their act together and then they haven't. And then Preston we've talked about. But they keep on coming out with, up with yeah, results. They do, so, they do, to be you fair, know, yeah. they deserve to be in that top half. But they're from those twelve. I thought, you know, really pro- unlikely that the team that we wish we'd picked as being the team most capable of staying up isn't going to be in that top twelve. Sure, I don't. I think it's going to be one of those. Oh, so yeah, I would say that's fair. I thought, well, okay, what, what exactly? It's one thing thinking about who's going to make the playoffs and and cons- and subsequently who's going to be promoted, but then it's. The question is really, who's going to be capable of of, of developing their their game, you know, their output, such that they can navigate this cliff? Because mm-hmm. we hear, you know, we're all talking about there's a cliff between the, the Premier League and the Championship. It doesn't gradually reduce. The, the demands don't gradually reduce, do they? They're just no. they're so much more difficult once you're in that um, Premier League. So what is it that actually affects your chances of, of staying up? And I suppose the, the obvious thing that everybody would say is, well, it's money, isn't it? That's the thing that affects your chances, finances. So you'd think about that and you'd think, okay, well, who would be the most financially capable team if we're saying it's going to come down to money in the end? We're not just saying who might manage to just scrape a, well, 17th place or something. We're saying who might be able to actually consolidate themselves in that division for a, mm-hmm. a couple of seasons. So you've got the you've got the idea that well, it's all down to money. How do you determine whether whether a club or how how financially secure a club is? And I think it's probably 
from two dimensions. First of all, you tend to think, well, let's look at the players. Let's look at the squad. Now, which of the squads in the division are the most, do we think, could cut it in that in, in the Premier League? And we talked about Burnley, didn't we? We said, well, yeah. they seem to they seem to find a way of playing that, you know, was very, very strong, solid in the pre- in the champ, which suggests they might be good enough. So you're looking at the players. So if you're looking at squad values, and these are all kind of notional values always, aren't they? Because sure. a value of a footballer is an opinion and it will depend on who you're asking. And we've been through this before. No doubt we'll revisit this idea. But we, we can get some kind of a fix on, if you like, the financial um, well, the quality of a squad from a financial point of view, and we've looked. I've looked at the values of of the squads in the division, and what you've got is not surprisingly Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds all around about two hundred million mm-hmm. notionally. Leicester two thirty four, Southampton two hundred six, and Leeds one nine five. If you're looking at transfer mark, for example, mm-hmm. and then below them, really, you've got. The rest, and by the rest, I suppose I mean all the top 12, but but probably almost all of the teams, between 50 and 100 million. Well, no, actually, that that does no, that's the top 12, not all of the teams. So there's a couple at sort of 80 million, and then there's, they drift down from 70, 60, and 50. Ipswich, interestingly, are at 44, and Preston are at 37. So they're the only two that are below 50. Yeah. Um, so really, there's a spread of values between these top 12 teams from anything from round about 50 up to a couple of hundred million. And the reason that for the top three financially is obviously because of the because of the the value of the players because they just came down from the prem. So that's a sort of one way of looking at it. But another dimension is you might look at the the wealth of the owner, mightn't you? Mm-hmm. You might say, well. Okay, if a if a team if a if a club gets promoted, then there's an opportunity for the club or the owner of the club ultimately to make decisions to strengthen. And we've seen anything from hardly anything being done. I mean, I can remember when I think Blackpool went up That's many right. years yeah. ago, and you know there was a lot of sort of you know unrest, let's say, because they they basically. It seemed like the owners at that point just trousered the money and yeah, said, well, just... we'll do our best, but we're not buying any plus. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. So there's been anything from there to teams that have really splashed the cash, haven't there? Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen seen examples of where Fulham, for example, I think yeah. went berserk, not this time, but the time before. Yeah. Um, and it's happened a lot where teams have gone up and thought, so right, Forrest, okay. Forrest signed about. 58 oh. players that season, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've seen lots of examples that the other way, haven't we, where clubs have thought, right, we're here now, we're not going down. And the way we do that is we just spend. And if you look at it, I mean, obviously the the ability, that's one, so the ability to do that is really down to what, what you've got in the coffers. There are clubs in, in the championship who, if they were to go up, they simply wouldn't have the money. I mean, okay, they're going to have, Premier League money, mm-hmm. but you know they, they haven't got the money, the really big money behind them. But interestingly, I was looking down the owners' wealth list, and three of the teams that are in the top five 
owner's wealth list, if you like, are not in the top 12 <laughs> that we've just reeled off. Yeah. Oh, QPR, Stoke and Birmingham, again, fans and will be able to argue, no, they've got more than that or they haven't got as much as that. But uh-huh. to all intents and purposes, for what we know, QPR are, you know, fit, these are in dollars, but they're, they're, they're up at about $15 billion, their owners. The Coates family at Stoke are about $9 billion. The new owners at Birmingham, Knighthood, I think, Capital Management, mm-hmm. are about $9 billion. Um, the York family at Leeds, $5 billion. And Leicester, and you can pronounce their family, the owner's hey. family name. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Have you ever done a prubber? That'll do. <laughs> That'll do for me. My apologies for my pronunciation, by the way. <laughs> they're, they're about three and a half billion. So, and there are a few clubs that are that are just over the billion dollar mark. Um, but these are the sort of main standout wealthy owners in the division. But I thought that the first thing I thought was very interesting that QPR, Stoke and Birmingham are in there. Yeah. And yeah, mm. they're not anywhere near. Mm. Birmingham, I suppose, is a special case because they're a recent um owner so mm-hmm. they haven't had time to really do anything with their money if they could uh, sure. well not much with their money um hired a manager or two didn't they, they? i did qpr <laughs> and stoke though you know yeah again i mean qpr have been struggling for many a year haven't they but yeah i think we've we've spoken about them before that seems to be just the lack a lack of direction it's sort of like a speedboat with no driver, really, isn't it? It's sort of. It seems to be. When we'll put that, we'll probably we'll talk about that. I think mm. in it will because that's a very good point. But yeah, so you got you got to have some money, and then you've got to be able you've got to be prepared to spend it. Is another thing because mm. I'm not sure how with QPR. I don't know what their um, real sort of commitment financially is. Mm. I know they had what were FFP problems, didn't they, for a long time. Um, right. But yeah. I'm not quite sure. I mean, surely they've they've ironed those out by now, and and I'm not quite sure what the feeling is among the ownership group about putting the money in, investing the money. But mm. I think the Coates family would have, are committed to that. They've got the money, and they they sure. they're committed to spending it. Again, they've had FFP problems because of mm-hmm. what they did when they were relegated and yeah. tried to buy their way back in quickly. That didn't work out. So, you know, it's kind of put them on the back foot. It'd be really interesting to have a conversation, you know, with someone from the Coates family, wasn't it? And, and just say, you know, is there anything that you would have done differently? You know, going up, obviously going up to the Premier League and staying in the Premier League for the many years that they did. Mm. But would they have done anything different? You know, would they have sacrificed any of those years to sort of negate or or reduce the problems they had afterwards. And I, and I mm. guess you, you never know until you try these things, do you? So it's certainly not a thing to say, oh, no, you, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done this. You, you only really learn by doing, don't you? So it, it, yeah. would, be, it would be interesting to see how, and, and of course the rules have changed, haven't they? The, the financial fair play yeah. rules have changed since that time. So it's, yeah. um, it would be a little bit of, of hindsight, but it, it would be interesting to, to see you know, speak to a, a director or, or someone like that who who could sort of walk you through almost their thought process of saying, well, you know, we now have to look out for this. And I know the fans want to do this and we want to do this, but we can't because of X, Y, and Z and, and all that sort of thing. It'd be quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I think, it, and that's something that 
we've all experienced this, haven't we? Where mm. we 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 want to try and achieve something, and it, there appears to be a shortcut, and we and we're tempted to try and take that shortcut, mm. and then it doesn't work out, and then we're trying attempted to try and fix that shortcut, and then after a while we realise that you know what we could have actually done this properly, and we'd have been done by now, and now we've got we've yeah. tried three different fixes on the shortcut. We've mm-hmm. taken longer and we're nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, right. I mean, it happens in anything, doesn't it? It'll happen in, when you're painting the living room and you think, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I think I'll just, and before you know it, you think, do you know what? I wish I'd actually got everything out and mm-hmm. done it properly and I'd be finished. But instead, I've tried to move this over there and cover that and I've dripped this on there. I've got to clean that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's, nat- yeah. I think it's human nature. And I think in a funny way, I think the the answer to the question that you posed about Stoke is yeah we would definitely with hindsight would would have preferred to have tried to build it up hmm. um with good solid processes hmm. with a view to getting back in around about now or even the last season or the season before even yeah. but in a strong position rather than you know can we buy a player that we think's going to or several players that we think can get us straight back up there and we'll throw money at it, and then because it didn't happen, not only have we have we not achieved it, but we've got a massive wage bill that means we can't we can't get rid of players because they don't want to leave because no one will pay them. Yeah, and therefore we can't replace them because we've got well, what the profit and sustainability problem now. So it it gets you into a hole, doesn't it? Mm. But it's a, it's a natural thing. You know, I can understand why yeah, clubs it, want to bounce back. Football is not Quickly. a normal, in inverted commas, business, is it? Because there's so much emotion involved from the stakeholders, you know, being being the supporters, being the stakeholders. And and they're the people who want to see the team do well and they want success. So when when it starts to not be there and they're not really seeing a lot of progress, I think that's where you get more frustration. And obviously the coach family have got very, very deep feelings for for the club. And I would imagine mm. that they're just as frustrated as, as everyone else and wanting things to move forward and trying to do their best to move forward, but it just isn't. And yeah, I, I think you almost get that feeling of desperation around Stoke of, you know, this has got to be the time, whereas perhaps it's the time to take the emotion out of it and say, well, what is it we actually want to do? You know, go yeah. all the way back to the beginning and just say, who are we? What are we as a club? What do we want to be as a club moving forwards? And then mm-hmm. just slowly build it, like you say, build those foundations level by level so that every decision you're making isn't from a place of emotion. It's from a place of process and objectivity. And I mean, obviously it's not not always objective. We're not robots. But at least the decision-making process is based on a solid foundation of that. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think having faith in it as well, Mm. to stick with it, if you think the process is working rather than necessarily the results of what you hope for, and that's easy for you and I to sit here and say. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, if we're putting our money into something, and and then, as you say, we're under pressure from fans and we're under pressure from our own objectives. So, Mm. but... Nevertheless, we'll see. It's been done, I think, and we'll and and I think it is the right way. Definitely, well, I feel that it's the right way. I know I you, you do too. You see a team. You see a team that's got nowhere near the the sort of foundations that Stoke has in in Luton Town. You know, coming through the leagues, and 
they're scrapping in the Premier League, aren't they? And they're yeah, they're not miles behind like people thought they might be. And and that no. to to me, from the things that I've read from uh, coming out of Luton from the owners and from the chairman, it it just sounds like they've got a plan. It's a long term one. They're in the Premier League. It's great, but they're not going to let that deviate them from the plan. They're still trying to build the foundations of the club so that it's in a better position next year than it was this year. Uh, yeah. They're not going to endanger everything just for a, a, another year in the sun. No, I think that's right. Yeah, it's a good that's a good example. I think what we're talking about. Mm. So yeah, they're, they're the two dimensions you could look at. I think the the values of the squad and the owners, the depth of the owners' pockets. I suppose for want of yeah, a better phrase. Absolutely. Um, but we all get drawn. I think to that. We all get drawn to thinking it's all about money. It's just you know who's got the most money and. And so on, but we've seen as we've just talked about, it isn't really just about that. There's no. many a club with money that haven't, where it's con- it's confounded them season after se- after season, and they just can't seem to get it right. And there's a there's a number of clubs that, you know, on the other hand, don't have the money and have managed to to put together something that is working for them. And this this sort of brings me on to. So I said, what affects your chances of staying up? One thing is the finances, which we just sort of kind of walk through. But the other thing is the quality of your plan. Yeah. And I think those two things are, um, you know, and let's be honest, clubs have managed through, you know, sheer financial muscle to muscle their way into where they want to be. Do you think with, with that, because I know you've talked about in the past, you know, from your years in in finances when you get success by just throwing money at it without really having a a plan you know if, if you were a club and you just and you're getting success but you don't really all you know is that you're spending money to get success what happens when you stop getting success mm. no when all of yeah. a sudden you're throwing money at it yeah and you're not getting what you think you should be getting for the money you've spent that's that's got to be a panic isn't it yeah well i guess it is because you don't really know what is bringing about that success do you other than no well i'm just writing a check you know or mm-hmm. you know bit, a bit of an old-fashioned reference i suppose but you know <laughs> um if, if all i if all i know is well i'm out spending the next the next club and yeah. look let's be honest we talk about having a plan and we're going to talk about it more but one way of doing it, one plan, what is to say, well, our let's start with the club identity. You know, do you mentioned this? Do we know who we are? Mm-hmm. Do we know what we are? Do we yeah. do? Can we see where we fit into this pyramid? Mm-hmm. You know, are, where are we? What are we? And I'm not sure that a lot of clubs really have thought that through, no. particularly, or if they have, that they really know the. the the true answer to it but one way of doing it yes is like chelsea like man city like now newcastle is to just say well actually we can outspend everybody mm. you know we can if we see somebody that's doing well we'll we'll bring them here and the 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 inference is that if they're doing well there they'll do well here we've we've talked about this before i know yeah um with the with the recruitment you know, how how what you need to do a successful recruitment, but there is a way of doing it, and let's see what what Newcastle do. We don't know for a fact what they're going to do, but you, you would imagine 
at least a big part of their plan is going to be, you know, to try to find a way to spend their way into the top spot. And, and that's not necessarily that easy, is it? Because we've met, already mentioned the profit and sustainability. So no, you can't exactly. just do exactly what you like, mm-hmm. but they'll be trying to find ways, won't they? Um, Man City of, have tried to do what they like, and they, they whether have. they'll come a cropper on the back of that, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll find out in is it April they're, they're here. Well, so, as far as I know, so far, possibly, yeah. Although, you know, will it get kicked down the road again? But they'll say... Well, Chelsea did exactly what they liked, uh-huh. but, you know, that doesn't mean to say. And they're probably right, you know, in many mm-hmm. ways. And they're still trying to do exactly what they like, they like yeah. because the latest plan was, well, give everybody eight-year contracts so That's we can right, reduce yeah. the, the amortisation that goes on the profit and loss. So right. then we can get inside this profit and sustainability mm-hmm. rule. But that gives you a problem. I know we're not really talking about them. Chelsea in the Premier League, but that gives you a problem because you've got players on long contracts and a number of those players you're not going to want. Yeah. And if they're on an eight-year contract and two years into it you don't want them, you've got six years to deal with. And, yeah, I was going to say it it must it must mean that you end up getting a bit of a, a a squad traffic jam, if you like. You've got players who you're looking to get out, but they're saying, mm. to be honest with you, I'm getting you know, fantastic money for the next six years. Yeah. I have no need to move on. And uh, when you're mm. asking a, a club to say, well, this guy that we're not really wanting, he's still got six years on his contract, so you're going to have to pay this fee. It's like, well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's worth that. You know, his no. contract is is worth more than, than he is. Yeah. And, and you can't prove he is because you won't be playing him. No, that's right. Because if he was playing, no, you can't even say. But look, exactly, you can't even say. Well, look at look at what he's doing. Because the truth is, he's not doing it. That's no. why you want to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit. It's an uncomfortable sort of cycle, isn't it? Seems really? seems a short term. It does solution seem for a long term problem, doesn't it? Yeah, it it seems like one of those. Well, this is a bit too good to be true, isn't it? Mm. But anyway, I hear, of, I hear of it done in NFL teams where they try and get under a. A salary cap. They'll they'll say to the the quarterback or something. They'll say, well, or a high earner. They'll say, well, let's let's restructure your contract and and get you you know this, and we'll we'll kick this down the road to there and that sort of thing. And it and it seems to work. But I think contracts in the NFL are generally a lot shorter than eight years because mm. frankly, you might you know take a heavy hit and be out for the rest of your career yeah. after after yeah. one game. So. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. So whether it's whether it's in a more of an American sports idea bought in, I, yeah, I don't, well, I don't know. Could well be, couldn't it? If it's Chelsea, yeah, mm. it could well be. But they'll they'll have their ways, and and that is a, I guess you'd say, well, it is a legitimate way of doing it. You can clubs have shown you can buy your way into these positions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we remember when Chelsea, Man United, uh, Man City, and Newcastle weren't pulling up any trees. That's right. But now they're the big boys. So, yeah, that is one way of doing it. Um, now, I kind of wanted to have a little look at a team, a club that we've mentioned before on the pod. Yeah. Um, as being a sort of model for n- not necessarily doing it that way, but th- you certainly wouldn't pick them out as being a team that's trying to bully their way in financially. And that that club is Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we 
everybody's kind of aspiring to them and saying yeah. they they are they're a model that is certainly really really succeeding and many people would say punching well above their weight um you could look at you could look at their wealth and again i know they're not championship but we can we're kind of trying to set this up so we can look at the rest of the clubs in the champ but so you can look at the owner's wealth tony bloom listed as being 1.3 billion so you know he's wealthy guy but he's not in the league of a lot of these certainly in the prem nowhere near qpr stoke or birmingham is he no, exactly. And, and you know, in the Premier League, you've got eye-wateringly oh, wealthy owners. Newcastle's no. figure there is ridiculous, isn't it? It's, it's, it's madness. <laughs> the average wealth in the in the Premier League is north of 20 billion for an owner. That's wow. the average wealth. Jeez. You know, so you've got, you've got ridiculously wealthy owners. And, you know, I think Newcastle's is almost infin- infinite, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, it's not an issue for them. No. The money is how do we get where we want to be, and we've got to navigate around the rules and so on. Do you know? Um, I, I remember when uh, when Jack Walker took over at Blackburn, and it was yeah. this this big thing, like this this multi millionaire had taken over. So Blackburn, and they obviously they had success, and they bought great players off the back of his money. But how things have moved on. <laughs> <laughs> where now you need to actually be funded by a state <laughs> in order to, exactly. you know, at least get in the top four of a, of a league. It's, it's Well, you wouldn't believe it, else, would you? You no, wouldn't believe it. Else. I mean, was that, I should know really, but was that, that was the well, very early in the Premier League history, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It wasn't the first season It was probably, 90... But... 92, I think, was the first season, wasn't it, of the, yeah. of the Premier League? So, and yeah. then, did they win it in 94? I'm not sure if it was 94. I couldn't well, say, I definitely but it was, remember it was quite early on. Along. It was yeah. quite early on. But yeah, Jack Flashing Walker, the cash. I think he was in Steel, was it? Steel Business or something? Yeah, oh, I think I can't he remember. was. Yeah. But a local man, you yeah. know, with, with yeah. genuine roots in the Absolutely. area, but yeah. just a just a big wallet. But yeah. Yeah. He he was the sort of precursor, wasn't he? To probably that the, sort of money now probably mentioned. couldn't get you out of League Two, could it? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it couldn't. No. The size of some of the it's, clubs it really, in there now. really does make you think, doesn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous. But so so the Premier League, we mega mega wealthy um, owners. The average squad value in the Premier League, based on the way that we've sort of we've we've um, assigned squad values, is about five hundred million. Sorry, right. is is about five hundred and fifty million, mm-hmm. and and Brighton's squad is about five hundred million. So, okay. but what what we what I tried to do is to look at how they got where they are, and mm-hmm. I I had it in my mind, well, financial muscle is one way to go, and the other way to go is through shrewd management, mm-hmm. which is process driven, which is he- heavily dependent on su- su- successful recruitment. And you know what we what we think about recruitment processes and so on. So, yeah. and I always had it in my mind. Yeah, you know, they know Brighton, and I think this is true. Brighton have always known. When I say always, Tony Bloom took over in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and their progress since two thousand and nine has been pretty much. I mean, almost not completely in a linear sort of upward 
direction, but pretty much when you look at it. I mean, they, he took over when they were still in League in League One, mm-hmm. and right. the following year, 2010-11, they won the division with Gus Poyet as the manager. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, I've got this kind of chart. You'll probably put this up, and if you're watching it on YouTube, maybe you'll be able to look at this, but you'll probably put this up in the notes, Tom, won't you? Yes, this. perfect. Well, we're looking at this chart, and it's just a it's just a, a column chart, and we're looking from two thousand and four five to this season, and we're looking at Brighton's sort of progress through the division. So they started off in the championship, and they did a couple of years in the championship two thousand four five and five six, and then um, they were relegated to League One, and things were really unraveling, mm. I think, and then. They spent five seasons in League One. They got their act together after, you know, I suppose about three seasons. They were 13th in 9-10, and then they won the division in 10-11. So mm-hmm. Tony Bloom came in, in at, the, at the end of that sort of League One period. And I've at the bottom of the chart, I've shown for each of those years how their squad value related to the division that they were in. Mm-hmm. So it, the reason for this is just to sort of see whether you can plot, a, well, A, to see whether you can plot a course and whether you can see the correlation between the value of the squad and where they finish. And I think you can because the first time they were promoted from the from League One in 2010-11 followed two seasons where they were above average in their value of their squad compared to the you know compared to the average in that division um the, the season they actually got promoted for some reason they they were only about 82% of the average value it's really that, interesting isn't it that yeah it could be because could because of the teams that had come down into the division that year yeah maybe you know might have bumped up i don't know who mm-hmm. I, I haven't sort of looked back to see who it was no. I don't know why it would be really i yeah. I, I must admit but it maybe it, they just identified the players that they knew they'd they'd need and they just happened to be yeah good good league one players you know sold off some some guys or whatever who knows but yeah that'd be interesting to look into actually it could be, be yeah if there's a a brighton fan listening maybe you can yeah. keep this up to date on that so that's 2010 11 and then they they spent an interesting period in the championship six years now four times three times they made the playoffs 12, 13, 2012, 13, 13, 14, and 15, 16, and they were unsuccessful in all three. Yeah. So it wasn't all rosy, but you can see it's more or less, apart from 14, 15, where they finished yeah. 20th, mm-hmm. they more or less, they, there was more or less a climb all the way through that period, wasn't yeah. there? You can see the trend, but they would, they did, they managed to finish four times out of the six seasons in the playoff positions. But they were doing it in the first sort of four seasons. They were doing it with a, a squad value lower than the average value for that for yeah. that division. And then the last two seasons, really only about average, 101% and 105%. So the last two seasons, third and second, and obviously second was good enough to get them automatically promoted in 2016-17. But that, that's, so that's the kind of their progress. And then obviously since then, they've... they've um, you know they've carried on really in the Premier League. Yeah. They had, a, they had a, a period of four seasons where they were sort of getting their feet under the table in a way, getting used to the division, finishing below bottom half really. Mm-hmm. 
but then obviously we all know the last three seasons it's it's been really good so yeah it's been really consistent you know isn't it? up to sort of top 10 for each season and sixth on 22 23 and they've done it again generally considerably lower um squad value than the average yeah. We're down to 37% the first year, 40%, 48%, 63%. But it's growing. Mm. And what I noticed, and I wasn't kind of fully conscious of this, maybe Brighton fans will say, well, you should have been. But it seemed to me that below this chart, but covering the same period, I've looked at what they've, what they've got in. So the players they've, they've brought in and what they've spent, on those players and the players they've sold and what they've spent or what they've received. Um, and it does look like actually that when they were um, coming to terms with the Premier League after they'd been promoted, mm-hmm. they were a buying club at that point. Yeah. You know, they were spending more money than they were getting in. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's not surprising in a way because A, they've got the 100 million for getting promoted. So they had some more money in the coffers. And B, they recognised that. They needed to strengthen the squad, yeah, because it was that obviously the, the standard was higher and so on. So that's between 2017 and 2020. You would say they were firmly a buying club. This might make a bit of sense in a minute when I come back round to the argument. And then from 2021 to 20 to today, so in the last three seasons, they've been a selling club. Hmm. They've sold, you know, increasingly really more a higher value of player than they brought in. Yeah. So they've kind of shifted. So they seem to, they got into the Premier League without really, I mean, they bought, they did buy some players towards the end of the their period in the championship between 2015 and 2017. They did buy some players, but they you wouldn't say they were really splashing the cash. I think it was fairly shrewd recruitment. Then they realised, well, we need to strengthen. We're going to have to put our money out there. But they've turned themselves into what I think you need to be to do what we've asked. We're asking who can do this, which is you've got to be shrewd. You've got to know what you're doing with recruitment. Um, so Absolutely. anyway, it's that's... it's really interesting because I I think from a to use a real estate term, Brighton have almost been like flipping houses, haven't they? They've been bringing players in yeah. who are under the radar but they felt that they can do the job they're looking for. And then they've sold them at a huge profit. You know, yeah. Caicedo, haven't you? He's gone to Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Cucurea is gone. Um, Sanchez has gone. Yeah, Alexis Sanchez. McAllister's gone. Yeah. Yeah, Trossard absolutely. went to Arsenal. That's right. Yeah. All Bus- guys. That- the lad went to Spurs. Busuma. Is it Busuma? Yeah. Yeah. Busuma. Yeah. Busuma. Yeah. He went. And I so think they, he it's was, been a bloody production line, actually. It Almost. has, it has. And you but, know, there's but a, some of the yeah, go on. There's a really interesting interview with um, who's the the director of football uh, or the the head guy at. at well, you're probably talking about underneath Paul Tony Barber. Paul Barber yes, is the. I think he's the CEO there. Yeah, that's his right. Title. Yeah, it's a good good interview with, with Paul Barber, and he he talked about his first ever interview. Uh, or his first ever um, time he he stood up and talked in, in front of the, spoke in front of the, the Brighton staff. And he actually mentioned, he said, you know, today is the first day of our, our journey towards the Premier League. And mm. he said he just wanted to see what the reaction was like. 
And and he said, I can tell by some of your reactions that some of you won't be with us very long. Mm. Some of you will be with us for some of the way, and some of you will be with us all the way. He said, but, you know, this is, we're going to be doing things differently and, and that sort of thing. And he yeah. just talked him through it. But That's he, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He, he said from the very first moment he went in, that was the plan was him, yeah. him and the chairman it was right this we're planning for the premier league and yeah he didn't really put a, a time a time on it as far as i can remember but it was this is what we're going to do and and certainly from from those graphs there you can see that it's almost like putting a layer of foundation in letting that yeah. set and then yeah. going here because if you try and build too much on an unsteady foundation then you're probably going to end up back down uh, where you yeah. where you were again so yeah yeah it's really really interesting to see that actually in in numbers and, and on, on a sheet there they a lot of the players we've talked about um they you know they invested early in those players mm. so they didn't bring them in and they didn't kind of let somebody else do all the all all the clever stuff and then go in and with their with their bigger sort of bank account and take a play and then move him on for another 10 million they actually brought players in and loaned them out that's right you know McAllister's been with them a long time yeah um and, and several of the others have been have come up you know, I think I think Sanchez the goalkeeper I think he was he was there a long time as well and they loaned them out to get experience and yeah and then brought them in then they played then they blooded them in the team and then they really kicked on and then they obviously move them on so mm. it's i think it's this the perfect example really isn't it of, oh, they're, they're of almost how to do the, the poster team of yeah. what we yeah. believe a, a team should be doing isn't it yeah i think so yeah i mean it, and again we i think it's all about the process it's all about you have to recognize who are we you know are, we're mm. not a man city probably yeah. for most of you um but we but we sit somewhere and we've got a, we've there's there's a way that we can operate that will bring out our best results for the strength and the resources that we have, whatever that is. And then you try to put together a process that is true to that, don't you? Yeah. What, sure. what I've done, Tom, I, I looked at this. So I looked at obviously the Brighton situation mm. and, and I thought, well, I knew we would agree that it was all about the process because we already, I yeah. think we already knew that. But so I, I felt like, well, we're coming back to this question, who do we think A, could be promoted and then it would be capable of staying in the Prem? And I think it's going to be the team that has the best process, that's got the best handle on their identity and the way to do things and, you know, not not um, overreacting emotionally but trying mm -hmm. to work through. And I just tried to look at the top 12 again and – you know, again, this is not scientific, but just my view of perhaps where they are in, in a sort of off the pitch environment. You know, how what's their circumstances? And so I went through it, and I thought, well, look, Leicester. I can see why people would say who apart from Leicester, because mm -hmm. I think they are. You know, not only are they having a good time this year, um, but they've been very solid Premier League team. Mm -hmm. And I think off the pitch, they've got a structure that is, look, any, everybody can get better, but I think they've got a structure that they they understand and, and that they, they'll try and work towards. And I think, personally, I think that I would call them semi-secure, I've called them. 
because you know <laughs> no one's no one's really secure but you know no. i've called them sort of um only because you know they've got players on high wages and you know it's going to be it's going to be a it's always going to be a task of trying to get clamber up that cliff yeah um southampton working down the list along with a number of these other clubs i think are what i would call in transition southampton leeds um coventry Hull, Norwich, Sunderland, yep. all of them, I would say, are sort of in, still in transition from, you know, changes of ownership, changes of structure. It remains to be seen, really. I mean, if you look at Southampton and Leeds, they've done quite a bit in the last couple of years to their to change their structures. Mm. And obviously they're going to – they think it's the right thing and they're going to try and make it the right thing. And, and I think they will try to put together a process – and so there, there's half a dozen of the top 12 that I think are just in transition. And again, I think we're going to have to wait and see what, what that brings about. And then working down the list, Ipswich, I kind of see them as being quite a secure team. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the only reason I say it, and I don't know the ins and outs of, of the club, but partly because I think they've come up from the division below. and you know, they haven't spent money. They haven't mm-hmm. splashed money around. They've got a good, solid manager in there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that, you know, I'm saying I'm going to call them the only team out of these 12 that is actually secure. But how secure are you when your manager's doing so well? That's the thing, isn't it? Uh, because what could yeah. happen? I mean, the same yeah. with Brighton and they're in Deserby there. You know, yeah. how long is he going to be there? And that yeah. will then stress their process but mm. um they were doing pretty well before he got there but so it's which i think something tells me about the way they're doing things that if it if they carry on and i don't think they'll act they'll carry on playing in the same style and i but i just feel if they can make it up and i think there's a question mark in my mind about that yeah but if yeah, they can sure. make it up something tells me they might have more of the right sort of perspective on things hmm. to address the, the, the you know the needs of, of yeah. that move west brom well that's just uncertain isn't it i mean we, they're trying to sell the club we just don't know what's going to happen there the range of outcomes for west brom are massive aren't they they are really yeah they get something over the line it could they're a big club they're doing what they're doing well if they can get something over the line soon Mm-hmm. then, yes, it could work out very well for them. But you'd have to say life's a bit uncertain for them. And I think life's a bit uncertain for Watford purely because they're Watford. Yeah. And, you know, they've, they're just unpredictable. They do things their way. And it's worked for them quite a bit in the last few years. They've spent a good amount of time in the Premier League, but it's not working quite the way they hope at the moment. So I'm not. I'm not sure. I, just, I feel they're quite uncertain. I wouldn't if they got if they put a run together, got into the playoffs and won through the playoffs. I'm not at all sure how it would play out in the Premier League. Yeah. I wouldn't have a massive kind of. I wouldn't confidence. be putting money on them to stay up. No, that's for sure. I wouldn't. Middlesbrough and Preston. And I also think are both kind of quite uncertain, but for different reasons. Middlesbrough. 
their recruitment process, it's so difficult. One season they seem to spend and another season they don't. Mm. Um, so it's just been stop-start. And and I know, again, I don't know as much as some of the, the avid Middlesbrough fans, of course, and they'll probably be able to put some texture on this. But it just seems like they they, they lurch about a bit. They have spent money yeah. and they have backed their managers and they have been on great runs. But then it's, you know, it's just a bit, as I say, it's a bit sort of unpredictable, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Preston lost their owner, Trevor Hemmings, didn't they? A couple of years, well, probably three years. Is it two and a half years ago or something? I think it is, yeah. So they're in, again, I suppose you could call it in transition a bit, but um, I'm not quite sure really. I don't really think they're going to make it. And if they did make it, I wouldn't be terribly confident really. Of, of all the teams... In that top 12, I would say all of them have got a chance of getting into the playoffs, except for Preston. I, right. they're, they're, that's where I would draw the line. I think yeah. because of the attacking metrics we've seen from them, yeah, I just don't think there's going to be enough there because one or two of these teams is going to go on from from now, is going to go on a hell of a run. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to move, move up. And I just don't see that Preston are going to have enough firepower to do that. I, I don't, I just don't see that. No. I just don't see it happening, but any of the others. I agree with that. I think I agree it's with a, that. A possible. I mean, I, I really like the look of Coventry. Yes. Um, I like what Hull, I, I actually liked Hull last year. I thought they played some good football, but you know, didn't have the best of starts. Um, so that they seem to be building something. How much of it is process-driven, I, I don't know, but it seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, I um, think the owner's got money. Um, I mm. don't know, you know, I don't, as you say, I don't know uh, about the process, really. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I yeah. couldn't tell you because I think, and this, that, that goes for all the clubs where they've had a, a, a recent change of ownership, I think, because sure. it tends to shake things up, doesn't it? Yeah, you know? definitely. And, yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, that, that's just a kind of quick run through those, I suppose, to sort of give our view on. So, who would, we... be, who would be your. Um, are we assuming that Leicester are going to get promoted as I th- champions? I, I think that would be my best guess. Yeah. I, th- I think as the league is now, they've, they've got a good lead, they've got a good squad. Um, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah. Who would you have going up in second as things stand at the moment? I would I would honestly say if I had to put my life on it I would yeah. say that top 12 stays as it is. Right. Okay. I was I was looking at it and thinking do you know what I just I and, and I know they won't yeah because the, the, the championship never does what you think it should yeah. do or will do. So I know I'm 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 sure it won't stay that way but if I had to list them out and you and you said well Tell me the top six in order. That would be my top six in order. Gotcha. Leicester, Leicester, Southampton up. Leeds, yep. Ipswich, West Brom, Coventry. In gotcha. that order. Yeah. But and you know that's my best guess. But it won't be that way. But I quite I quite fancy Coventry to to go on a bit of a a, a burn. To be honest with you, they're they're looking good, and I, I think they're the metrics that we've seen from their attacking statistics look like they're starting to finish the good work that they've been doing all, all season now. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they look like they've got a pretty good system going because they're certainly not one of the wealthier teams 
uh, no. in, in the league, are they, from a, from no. a budget point of view? So they certainly seem to have something going going in their favour. Definitely, so yeah. It would be interesting. I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't pick it still. I must admit, the top six, it could be anything. I mean, yeah. West Brom looked really solid. I thought Norwich played very well when they played them at, at the weekend. They scored two really good goals, especially the second goal. I thought it was a fantastic goal, really good team, team goal. Mm. Um, but they seem to be, they've got a way of playing tactically very, very aware. And I think when it comes into those, the last two months of the season, I mean, last, last season, the last two months, no one wanted to win, did they? It was no, you know, all exactly. the teams in the top six just kept yeah. losing. And yeah. you know, any team from, you know, 10th could have gone through, exactly. but as soon as they got near that top six, it was like a force field. They just start it losing. Was. This so, is the point. Um, so I'm sure it, I'm sure there'll be some surprises. Yeah. Oh, um, for sure. But, but, you know, just going on what you can, what yours you see in front of you, mm. um, it would look to me as if it, that would be the way it would finish. Mm-hmm. And then moving on to the sort of the, the you know, the $64,000 question, which one then do we think would be capable of staying up yeah. other than Leicester, we're mm-hmm. going to say? Because I think wealthy owners, what we're calling or I'm calling semi-secure off the pitch, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be, they'll, they'll, be able to, they'll be able to capable of taking that into the Premier League. They've been there recently, so it's not like they don't know what, what, it, what the demands are. So again, I've said six, six of the twelve. I've called them in transition. Yeah. The way I see it, I've I've a sneaking. This is kind of sounds a bit strange. I've got a sneaking feeling that Leicester might, uh, the Ipswich might not do what others are predicting that they will do and make the automatic promotion and or go mm-hmm. through the playoffs. Yeah, but I think if they do, in a funny way, I would back them more than I would anybody else to stay up. Right. Interesting. Just because the others, and I, and I think, it, and what, what's going to, what's going to might change that is how the likes of Leeds, you know, Coventry, Southampton, the ones that we said relatively recent ownership changes or structure, ownership tr- structure changes, how they translate that into a process, mm. how well they do it. If one of them or two of them, really do sort of get that together mm-hmm. then then it will be one of those two yeah but we can't really i can't really say so i've just got a funny feeling that you know ipswich have had to do things the hard way mm-hmm. they've got a good manager if they could keep him i just have a funny feeling they might just be able to hang on yeah. in there but yeah. you know it's a bit it's out there a little bit that. because um I wonder how many, how many teams, because when and I, I remember you said this to me last season. You know, we spoke about how well Burnley were looking, and you know they were really doing as they wanted in in the championship. And uh, and you said it will be interesting to see how they transition from having a lot of the ball to having not much of the ball, and whether they can still get the same sort of results and. Mm. I thought that was a really a really good point, and you would say so far, not very well, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you? Because they they play good yeah. good football, but without the ball, that's not really their strength, is it? They're, so would would you say that a team like a Luton that's gone up, 
Mm. They're, they're certainly by no means certain to stay in the Premier League at all. But you think I think of Luton as being a, a, a scrappy, hardworking team that's going to mm. really be all about the collective rather than any any sort of superstars and, and maybe tactically having to be right on top of their game. So w- whether a team like that would be better because you don't necessarily have to have the ball to be tactically you know, keeping your shape well uh, defensively and, and attacking almost like a sniper rather than a, a shotgun. Mm. Um, so from from that respect, so who would you who would you say from a playing style point of view would have the best chance of staying? Um, I don't know that there's an there's an outstanding. Yeah, there's not. I don't know that there's a team in in the this group that is obviously one of those kind of attritional teams. Mm. Is there? No, not um, really. If you look at it, I think I th- it's sort of the way that the game's going, isn't it? Is that mm. it, it, people want the, the clubs want the? I think there's a recognition that the best way to win is to try and play football and score goals mm. and what we've been talking about, really. Yeah. And I think along with that, it's begun to sort of relegate the, you know, what you might call the more direct teams a little bit mm-hmm. to the lower positions. So I don't know, looking at those teams, you know, most of them seem to be quite comfortable, seem to want to possess the ball, don't they? Yeah. Um, I don't it know. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to have, you know, we use Brighton as our yeah. example, didn't we? I think of them as they're very possession based, very attacking, you know, like to like to play football. It would be interesting to see if if they did that from the outset, you know, coming into the Premier League, was that already their philosophy and, and would mm. their playing style stats show that? Or did mm. that did they say, well, we're actually going to do this because we we think this is the way we're going to be able to survive because we can't turn the playing staff over that quick. Yeah. If effectively using our plan to do that. So we're going to have to do this for now. We're going to have to play yeah. this way. But the, the overall plan is to bring players in who can who can do this, but we know that's going to take time. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense, doesn't it? Because you mm. would tend to think that you wouldn't really have the players. But, you know, this is this is partly the problem with Burnley because they, they built a, a team and a squad of players who were happy to play, to have the ball. Mm-hmm. And got out of the championship with those players. Yeah. But it's a different ask. And there were a lot of loan players League. as well, weren't there? There were. Did, did well for Yeah, them. there were. And and it's a different ask in the, in the Premier League to say, right now, go and get the ball and keep it. Yeah. Uh, like you've been doing in the championship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's tricky one. I mean... That's why you need a good head coach with a real plan <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a good identity of the club who are not... Sure. Are not uncomfortable saying this is what we are, mm-hmm. and I don't. You know, you talk about Luton. I don't think they're uncomfortable with that at all. No, not at all. They're 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 quite sort of unashamedly um, practical. You yeah. know, I read. They don't, they don't... I did read an article actually where they actually made the conscious decision of saying, "Do you know what? We're not going to be able to outplay." teams you know we're not going to be able to get the quality of player in to be able to get out of this league playing pretty football so we're yeah. going to have to do it with players that we can afford now we're going to we're going to put a lot of bias on on character 
uh, on on grit, determination, that sort of thing. We want players in who are going to be part of a collective, and um, and they've been massively successful with it. Yeah, they have. I mean, with Brighton, you mentioned Brighton. I mean, they obviously Chris Hewton took them up, mm-hmm. um, and you know he was there for the first. He was there for the first season in the Prem. He was there for certainly some of the second season. I don't know if he did how much of it he did before Graham Potter came in. Hmm. But Graham Potter would have been, I think, um, a, a coach with more of an inclination to get the ball and try and play, mm-hmm. try and try and dominate possession. Yeah, as he did at Swansea, wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So they, I think they flipped. I think they probably, and I can't say I was kind of watching all the time but I think they probably were a bit more sort of no nonsense after they first got promoted mm. and then wanted to, to take it on a step um which they obviously did and brought Potter in and um start he would have been starting the journey to where they are now really wouldn't he that's right yeah I mean they had they had that season was it in the championship where they finished 20 or is it in the was it in the championship they finished twentieth, or was it in the Premier League they finished twentieth? They finished twentieth in the championship, yeah, with That's Chris Hutton. Right. But that, that I think that was his first season, and I'm not sure again exactly yeah. when he came in. Yeah. Um, but he obviously he then the following two seasons were third and second, so he did really well in the championship. But again, even though you might be playing decent football, once you're promoted, you know it's hard, isn't it? So yeah, it's that massive. Big yeah. widening chasm, isn't it? Because it, it is. is getting wider, I think, every year. Yeah. And, you know, you've got to navigate that on the pitch and you've also got to navigate the sort of commercial angle where your squad are on contracts that, you know, are either, well, they're either too short or too long. Contracts are always either too short or too long, aren't they? <laughs> they're right, never yeah. just right. So, um <laughs> You've got to you've got to work your way through that. You're going to go up with players that you don't think can probably cut it in that division, and then when you come down, you're going to go down with players who don't want to be there and yeah. costing you too much, and probably won't even do as well. Talked about Stoke earlier, but who won't even do as well as players that are of lesser ability and would be a third of the cost or less, yeah, because if they just don't want to be there, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I don't know. So my final thoughts on it, Tom, would be that I think if if Southampton or Leeds get their process nailed down and and working well, mm-hmm. they would be that my they would have my vote for staying up beyond the others. But because they're both in transition, really, and I don't know how it's going to play out, I would say Ipswich are in with a sneaky chance of because I think they might be a little bit more together in that regard. But whether they've got the quality to get there, I'm a bit sceptical about that. Yeah. Perhaps, that makes perhaps sense. they will perhaps they will see this as a as a bit of a free hit season because obviously they're not gonna go down. Now as bad, you know, if they even if they lost every game now, I don't no. think they would go go out no, of the league the wrong way. No. So um the, Maybe this is a, a season of consolidation, and and then they can look to they turn the playing staff over because I've I've no doubt that that squad value of forty four million will be upgraded come the end of the season with with a lot of yeah. high performing players. I would imagine. Well, you'd think so, um, and, and maybe they'll maybe they'll see an opportunity. 
Um, maybe they'll see an opportunity to say, do you know what? We've already identified who could come in and do that. or We've already got someone who could come in and do that job. If we took six or seven million for this guy, we can then bring someone else in to re- uh, to replace them. Uh, we've already they got might them upgrade them this week, by the way. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, we've still got a week left. <laughs> it's usually, uh, it's usually just before the window when most of the uh, the work gets done, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, because you know they may be looking at it and thinking, actually, we're close enough mm-hmm. to make it worth a, a gamble. Yeah, you know that could happen, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. It will be an interesting show next week, definitely, when we have a look mm. back at all the all the business that's been done. Yeah, but, um, but no, that that was a really interesting question. You know, I, I, it was a good question. I think yeah. it was one of the first questions that I saw in in this group. And, yeah, um, I thought, God, you know what? That's that's good. If I can give that to David, he can work some work some. <laughs> well, magic with that. I think there's you know there's obviously other ways of looking at it, I suppose. But rather than just saying the obvious, well, it'll be mm-hmm. this one or that one because I came down. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting to try and dig into it a bit. Yeah, definitely look at it from a more objective standpoint and mm. think about what what makes a difference and what teams might be uh, more likely than others. I mean, it is it is hard to tell because it's the championship and it's so close. But yeah. uh, no, it doesn't mean we can't have a discussion about it, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Even if we're going to look silly at the end. Yeah, exactly. At the end exactly. of the season when it all exactly. turns around. <laughs> <laughs> when Preston mm. uh, when Preston go. That's up. right. They'll nail it. <laughs> That's, that's guaranteed now. <laughs> nice one. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at uh, our handle is at Champ Attack. Uh, we've also got a YouTube channel. We'll pop this on so you can find us there. I'll put the link into the show notes for you. Uh, you'll find all the diagrams that we talked about today in the episode uh, will be put onto the YouTube uh, video or you'll find the files in the show notes as well. So you can go back and you can use them as a reference if you want to. But thanks very much for your time. Thanks a lot, David. Appreciate your efforts today, mate. No worries. And uh, we'll catch up with you next week when we attack the championship. See you soon. Bye-bye.